All right. Shit, I got to do the intro because Brett's not here. God damn it. Yes, sir. Uh, let's just do a stretch. <laughs> let, me, let me just let me just do a stretch for this. Let me get prepared. <laughs> and we are back here on the Dope Blog discussing the combat. Uh, see, I'm not. I'm not Brett. That's the cold open right there. <laughs> <laughs> And we are back here on the Dope Blog discussing the excellence that was UFC 257 and the combat world of sports. That's what I was trying to say the first time. But anyway, UFC 257 was pretty freaking awesome, to say the least, for any for two reasons mainly, at least in my opinion. Michael Chandler's UFC debut and Dustin Poirier giving Conor McGregor the first knockout loss of his reign as King McGregor, whatever the hell he's going by now, the notorious one, got... TKO'd in kind of stunning fashion. And what up, cuz it's our first dope fights pod of 2021. Yeah, man. Uh what a what a pod to come back on. What a weekend to come back from. What a week to come back from. Thir- I think uh 32 fights in total, or even more than that. Some crazy number of fights over the past week. It's been unbelievable and just glad to be back. And yeah, I mean. What what a week! What a day! It, we are recording on Sunday, Sunday the day after UFC 257, and a wave of emotions coming from me over here. So I'm ready to get into it. Oh my god! And I just realized we never even discussed on here about Blessed Holloway. No, just, yep. just, just to touch on that before because we're gonna get all into UFC 257. The rightful. King of the Featherweights, Mr. Max Holloway. I think he should be the champ. He, he dominated on ABC in front of a national, worldwide, whatever audience, a mainstream audience on ABC. He was in a fight and showcased why many mixed martial arts fans in general believe he was robbed in his rematch and should be the rightful champion and showing why he is still a major threat in the featherweight division. What'd you think about that real quick? Oh yeah. The, the Max Holloway fight. Yeah. That's again, that's what started off this kind of week of just chaos. I mean, it, it was literally last Saturday and we, then we had a car on Wednesday. Then we had this, this UFC 257 on Saturday again, Max Holloway, not to kind of, I will double down showed you exactly why he is the best featherweight. I don't give a damn what anyone says. I don't want to take anything away from Volkanovski, as we always say, but just watch that fight from Max. I mean, he put on a clinic. He he was unstoppable. He was unstoppable to the point where he's talking to DC on the side saying, what, I can't box, I can't box, slipping punches and still whooping ass. It was insane. Oh, oh my God, it was insane. Great way to open up the year. Bet, great card for a great fight for the main event on ABC. Like you said, first time ever a mixed martial arts sport was on 
primetime television. They've been on Fox. They were on Spike. They, you know what I mean? But that, this is ABC. This is worldwide of sports. Uh, we're, well, yeah, I can't even talk. That's how hype I am. But <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say. Like, this is this is ABC boxing where Muhammad Ali got fame from, right? Where where we didn't grow up in this era, but where growing up in an era of boxing where that's where you watched boxing was ABC. It was insane. So it was a great card to have. And I'm glad Max did his thing and rematch is ine- inevitable. It, you know, Volkanovski gets through Brian Ortega. You know, that's a rematch that's going to happen. Or, you know what? If Brian Ortega gets through Volkanovski, guess what? Max can get it. Brian Ortega can get a rematch against Max, Max and see if he can see if he can get past them. I mean, next fight for Holloway has got to be championship. That's it. That's mini rant about Max Holloway. <laughs> Yo, everything you said, he's the best featherweight in the world. I just figured me and you being the fans of Holloway that we are. And the whole featherweight division, like you said, no disrespect to anyone else. I, I truly believe Max showed that he was the best featherweight in the world again. But, we, uh, you know, that's another topic for another day. We can do a whole pod on Max Holloway and how he lost that featherweight strap. But last night's event, USC 257. The, the undercard was cool. The preliminaries were, were, were whatever, comparatively speaking to the main card, at least in my opinion. The main card... Uh, the when the women opened up that first women's flyweight uh, match, strawweight, strawweight, yeah. <laughs> how how they, they they just thought she won. Uh, what's her face? Oh, I'm trying to pull it back up in my. Um, Marina Rodriguez uh, against Amanda Rebus or Hebus, technically, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah how her Herb uh, her Herb ran over just to see what was going on, and everyone's like, "Oh, he's calling the fight." <laughs> they get back up, and she's like. He's like, no, 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 I didn't really call it. I was just trying to get in close. She's like, all right, well, I'll beat her up some more. And and props to Rodriguez. She went from celebrating right back into killer mode and finished off that fight. I thought the fight should have been called there, and I'm glad when Herb Dean did call it because that's protecting a fighter from themselves. No disrespect to Rebos. She obviously has a good chin because other people would have been night-night. Oh, for sure. For sure, but I'm ha- but I think that was just an interesting way to start off the main card. Like you could just it just had that that like okay, this is a UFC event for real. <laughs> like, Correct. I mean, you can you can make the argument if you didn't watch the pay per view and you just look um, on paper at the results. You you look up the preliminary cards. It's all decision decision. Only one fight, and that was a women's bantamweight fight uh, between uh, Juliana Pena and Sarah McMahon. That that was the only fight that was went to a stoppage and it was a submission via rear, rear naked choke but before that every single fight was a decision so it caught and it started off as a long drawn out card and then the minute the main cards hit it's tko 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 it was insane <laughs> and and then the next fight that middleweight fight uh mahmoud muradov defeated andrew sanchez there was that one moment where he staggered sanchez and Dude, like his, oh, his whole, all of his legs just stiffened up, but he was still standing up. It was the most awkward. It could have got real ugly if, if Mahmoud would have landed like a, a hard haymaker right there. While he like, was like, oh, he was on not spaghetti legs. They were like more like a stack of chairs that if you moved <laughs> one of the chairs out of the way, he was dropping to the ground. Bro, that, you know, he really looked that stiff. Look, picture a chair trying to walk a, a wooden chair across the room <laughs> literally what i don't know i'm trying to laugh at him but like 
it was it was bad. I was like, oh my. It was God. like it, it was called a fight now bad. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. Like he might be able to survive this, but one shot, he's definitely falling down. He's he, that's it. I mean, good on him for standing up. That Canadian really fought hard, but geez, he was on on some some bad stiff skates and he was going to go down no matter what so that was a crazy one too yeah you're right um, i don't remember on the prelim just real quick there was one of those decisions i thought was bs but i don't even remember which fight it was i like i was watching the fight i just really didn't feel uh light heavyweight uh clear uh marcin uh Paracina. maybe it might have been the first one because i was i, I was i when they said the who got the ud and i saw the guy celebrating i was like how did he win but yeah i can't remember i'm uh, the uh preliminary card kind of wasn't uh, i wasn't too focused this time around and you know i, I don't know and it wasn't I, the most exciting uh, preliminary yeah, card yeah it wasn't i mean it was fun but you know it, it wasn't anything where we were going to see any people move up move down you know possible contenders i mean it was just kind of uh rank and file fights and i that's that's kind of mean to say but at, you know it, it happens that's yeah on a connor card you're not going to have some monstrous monstrous fights that will take away from the hype i i would want to say not but, on the prelims at least but like right. that's what prelims are for you're supposed to uh get these people the shine that are so under the ranking that's how this is supposed to work anyway so i'm not even mad but right. on the main back to the main card you had uh, Calderwood defeating Jessica I by decision, the only decision on the main card. I don't have much to say about this fight. It was an all right fight. Nothing really captivated me. Uh, but I, and and I missed part of this fight just from you know stuff going on during the night. Uh, so, well, do you have anything to say about this one? No, um, it just you know overall good good fight. Um, yeah, I don't have much to say. It, everything every time I watch any of these women flyweights, I always do that horrible comparison of, well, where, where are they going to go and what are they going to do if they actually get to a championship bout? And we know what happened to Jessica I when she went and fought Valentina Shevchenko. That's that ruthless head kick that Valentina landed on her and put her out smooth. And, you know, so that's what I'm always looking at. And I mean, Joanne Calderwood might have a chance, but it was, it was just good. Overall good. I don't want to take away anything, but I always look at, well, are you going to move up and try and attack the queen that's at there? And that's Shevchenko. So I don't see any positives out of that one. I mean, especially you didn't defeat just guy handedly and just guy went against Shevchenko and got destroyed. So MMA math, you know, never works out properly, but you know, well, it was, it was just a decent fight. I was more excited about the next one and I, you can bring us into that one. That that's where I, the, the tides of the, the fight card really changed for me. Well, it's kind of interesting. You want me to bring it in because you were definitely more hyped about Michael Chandler coming to UFC than I was. And to give a brief history on Michael Chandler, he comes from Bellator. He was in Bellator from about 2010 on his first, his Bellator debut was in September of 2010. He was, what was he? He was about two, no, he was three and oh, when he first entered Bellator, Bellator 31 by Bellator 97. Oh no, he won the, the, Bellator lightweight world championship from Eddie Alvarez at Bellator 58 in 2011 at eight. No, he became, become named nine and O as champion. A couple fights later, he would lose it back to Eddie Alvarez, go on a three fight losing streak. And then win his next win would come and turn him into 13 and three at Bellator 138. Now we're back all the way back in 2015. 
So it's kind of crazy. He, some people didn't even know who he, he was coming into this fight that don't watch anything outside of UFC. And he had a full career in Bellator. And, and me and you have spoken about Bellator before. It's not like their lightweight division is weak. I know people have their opinions on Eddie Alvarez, but overall, it's probably the best lightweight division outside of the UFC. Oh, 100%. I mean, I mean, his one of his most recent losses uh, was to Patricio Pitbull, who is the Bellator king right now. I mean, he, he's, yeah, he, he, he lost the lightweight championship to Pitbull. Yep, exactly. And that was in, that was in May 2019. He had three more fights after that, all wins. And and his other, the only other loss uh, that was unaccounted for in this little – uh, recap it was against Brent Primus by a doctor stoppage at Bellator NYC in June 2017. Yeah, I think he fucked up his leg or something, fucked up his knee. He also beat uh Pitbull's brother, Patricky. Yes, yes. Back in that June 2016 before. at Bellator 157. Yeah, that was before he fought Patricio, right? Yeah, that was before. That was two years before. Yeah, so he beat him and, and he's another monster. And then yeah, he went on, and that Brent Primus loss, I'm pretty sure he avenged. Yeah, he won the belt back. Thank you. You, re- you read my mind. He won the belt back by beating Brent Primus. Okay, and then lost it to Patricio. Yep. Yeah, okay. And that was that was between December 2018 to May 2019. So his last title reign was short, but he also lost it to one of the men that me and you agreed is one of the best fighters not signed by the UFC. Correct, yeah. And, I mean, think about it. You can't be – you're not, it's not like you're terrible. You, you win that belt back three times, you know, three time world champion means something, you know, you can lose it and shit happens as, as the, you know, the final card on this fight, what we're really here, you know, what people were here to, for the 257, why they were there to watch that fight, you know, from that, anything happens, it's a fight game. So winning it back three times is one, is an, is a feat on its own. And then coming into the UFC, the way he did, is is a whole nother conversation because yeah we were we were kind of i was kind of shouting it out the minute that trade happened i remember we were court we were recording back then and i forget what i said but i was like this is something that is going to be very interesting because he's it's not the normal acquisition of a bellator fighter typically the normal acquisition in the ufc side is something of you know you you take them in and you throw them to a, a real dog right away and see if they can survive and with with um Chandler, they they gave him, they rolled out the red carpet for him. Basically, it wasn't a hard sell for Chandler to get into the UFC. They literally Dana rolled the red carpet out. I mean, he was the backup fighter for Gaethje, uh, Habib. Like, yeah, it's insane. That is insane, so, and and it's also insane the rumors we just kept hearing, especially with the with the lightweight division up in the air the way it is. He his name has been getting flown around for months now. So for him to come out against Dan Hooker, who was ranked in the the lightweight division at the time of his debut, it it, it just speaks to how high hopes they have on a fighter who's 34 years old. So arguably, you could argue he is in his prime. Fighters these days seem to hit their prime in their 30s, not their late. That mid-35 range. Yep, that that mid-30s range, you know, right around 35 maybe early thirties and then through it in, right into their forties. I mean, 40 becomes a hard sell with some of the, with, with the lighter weights. We've talked about this, you know, plenty of times with those lighter weights, 40, you might start to lose a little bit of, a little bit of step. Um, and that's where the heavyweights kind of start to shine is in the little bit, the heavier guys in the older class, you know, but for him to be 34 and that's why I like the promo they kept cutting uh, on throughout the night was him saying uh, Chandler quoting the thing he said to Dan, I'm not here for a long time. I'm here for a good time. 
And that's exactly what he showed against the hangman hooker. I mean, it was a firework of a show. I mean, to, to say the odds were against Chandler is ridiculous. And I forget, and I'm not literally talking about Vegas odds. I'm talking about style matchup, all that. You're talking about a guy coming in from another promotion, you know, basically, I don't, I don't know wrestling that much, but a Kurt angler, a Kurt angle esque person, uh, you know, they did, you heard DC at the end of the broadcast saying he dropped the Ric Flair. He came in with tears in his eyes, had to say yeah, all that shit, right? He had that all stacked against him. One smaller guy, right? Height wise. I mean, we're talking a huge difference. Reach difference is incredible. And he just stopped hook, just, just stopped hooker. I mean, he was, he was uh, dipping and dodging shots left and right and came across with that. I think it was, he caught him with the uh, overhand left, I think just coming out, you know, slipping a shot and hit him with the overhand left or overhand right, caught him right on the chin and it was lights out. It was, it was unbelievable. It was, I was out of my chair, I think more six, than I was. Six for, foot Dan Hooker against five foot eight, Michael Chandler. Thank you. Dan, thank you. Dan Hooker <laughs> has a 75 inch reach. Michael Chandler has a 71 and a half inch reach. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, man. Come on. Six foot versus five, eight, that reach difference. It was it looked it should have been an easy run through for Hooker, but that shows you Bellator. No matter how much we sh- we don't shit on Bellator, but no matter how much we have to admit that the UFC is the the cream of the crop, is the NFL, is the NBA. Bellator had a guy in Chandler that was unbelievably good, and it showed itself in here. Now, is he championship material right off this win? Yeah that's a whole nother conversation. I mean, after this win, he called out everybody. He said, Connor, move, move over. There's a new King in town. He said, Khabib, if you want to grace us with your presence, I'm here. I'm, I'm for it, man. If they want to make a Khabib, uh, Michael Chandler fight, do it. Like we know he's an established champion. He's a three-time Bellator lightweight champion. He came in and pretty much wrecked the number six lightweight that you had rent. Yes. so at, at minimum, he jumps into the top five of, of the entire division and end the top five. It, wouldn't he be the only person that Habib has not fought? Because it, right now, b- before the change, it's Gaethje, Poirier, Oliveira, McGregor, Tony Ferguson. Yeah. Yeah. So what are we talking about? You know what I mean? Like what are we really talking about? You're, you have a very good point. And the only change that's really going to happen, Dan Hooker is going to drop maybe to set everyone's going to shift down one. He's going to enter in and then Gaethje's going to shift down to two and Poirier is going to go to number one. Connor's going to go to number stay at probably number four. They'll put, this is all guessing Chandler at five, drop Dan Hooker to seven and drop everyone else down one. That's the, I mean, that's all I could imagine would happen. Yeah. I don't know where Connor goes, if he goes down to five or six or stays at four, I think that's what we're kind of looking at. Right. Like, yeah, that, that's the only real change. I mean, other than Dustin definitely going to one because he has a win over Gaethje that win this win that we're definitely going to obviously get into over Connor pushes his height, his stardom, everything you can imagine through the roof. So that's really the only changes. So yeah, it's really, where does Connor fall in the ranking after this and and habib said something along the lines of if somebody excites me at this event then i'll, I'll consider fighting them and i think it's interesting because we don't even have to bring up the main event yet how 
honestly, if he's really serious about that, how did Chandler not get his attention? I was about to say the same thing. Dustin was not the attention grabber for Khabib in this. Not at all. It had to be Chandler. If something were to grab his attention, it was Michael Chandler. Because after the fight, he was also tweeting about Connor again, saying that he, oh, you shouldn't switch your camp. And Connor at the press conference, the post fight press conference, denied he ever even made a change. So he's like, he keeps talking to me like he wants to fight. Let's do the, let's do the re, you know what I mean? He's like, like, let's I, fight. Yeah. Let's, like, let's I know Khabib really hates him, but how are you going to keep going at him and then saying there's no chance of a rematch? It doesn't make sense. Right. Like, like, you already beat him. Correct. I like what Connor said, and I'm going to say it probably a few more times before we're done this. Connor said he showed his mask. And I'm a huge Habib fan. You know this. And anyone that talks with me about fighting, you know I'm a huge Habib fan. But, and there's a big but for here, he definitely showed his hand and showed his cards by tweeting at Connor at the end of that fight. And it wasn't directly at Connor. Even putting that tweet out, you pulled the mask up. And showed you aren't 100% this upstanding guy. You you dropped a bunch of levels to say something that you didn't didn't need to be said. I get why he did it. But if you are truly retired, if you're truly out of the game, if you truly are the king and the best of the best and you have no doubts left in your mind, what's the point of that tweet? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And and. I have the Chandler fight on the background. He he ends Hooker right before we get it onto the main event because I, I want to. But legitimately, it was a first round stunner. Like he felt like he, uh, Chandler. I mean, was in control the whole time. Hooker isn't a bum. I feel bad for this dude because now he has to quarantine the next fourteen days just to go home. Yeah, like I, that's rough, man. So if this win. Is, is crazy emotional for a bunch of different reasons on both ends. And at the end of this fight, Hooker supposedly left his gloves in the ring. Uh, the commentary team, DC, when he was even commenting on it, like, I hope that doesn't mean he's over. Like, he's, it might just be an emotional right. He might, he might be leaving the, the, the gloves in, in, in the cage just to signify, oh, that's how bad the loss was. I want to leave it behind me. We don't know what's behind him. But traditionally speaking, when you leave the gloves in the ring, that means you're done. Yeah, I noticed that. As I noticed him taking the gloves off as the announcement was coming through from Bruce Buffer, and I had the same thing ringing through my head. I'm like, is he retiring? Because you know, you, you do it is emotional, one thing, but at the same time, did he have it in his head already? Like, if I lose to this guy that just comes in my, as my shot at title stardom, done, I lost to uh Poirier, I, I lost, I'm I lost, I will lose to Habib, and if I can't beat this guy who's coming from Bellator. And he starched him like, like oh, said, he, does, he, he does a right body shot, opens it up, connects with the left hook. And that's when the hooker goes down and he just reigns in those rights, man. Oh, like, he's just literally holding the back of his neck. One, 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 just one after the other, just in. And it was, it was bad. It was bad. Like, it's not, like I said, it's not something where you're like, oh, you know, it was a good fight. No, this was first round. Chandler dominant. just came forward and yeah, completely dominant. There's no shot. That someone could say, oh, well, Hooker could have did it. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Oh, yeah, it's nothing that Hooker did. It's everything that Chandler did to his Correct. credit. Yes. And, and, and I don't. And I hope Hooker's not done. Like, No, it, he's a good it's fighter. A bad, it's a bad fighting. L, but it's not at the same time. You literally lost to somebody who's, who's a multiple-time champ in this sport. And been in the sport for a very long time. Because neither me or you believe that Dan Hooker would beat Pitbull in a fight, right? So... 
that's where right. the, that's where we have to do the MMA math and kind of decide pound for pound who where these guys rank up. And that's why we did that uh, the, the the pot about you know the best outside UFC because there's plenty of talent outside UFC that could be champions within UFC. Michael Chandler has at least proven he can contend in the UFC lightweight division. So he's ended some some speculation on that because that's always going to be there when someone jumps from the outside promotion into a different promotion. C- can you survive in this shark tank, though? And I think Michael Chandler made a big statement. Good for him. He did what a lot of people thought Ben Askren was going to do. Yes. Yes. That is a perfect, perfect uh, comparison. He did exactly what people thought Ben Askren was going to do. Not not stylistically, obviously, but the dominance that he had. That's what people thought Ben was going to come in and do. I mean, especially after watching the first fight with uh, with BJ, right? That was that was his first fight, I think. I don't um, even remember. I was yeah. never a big, big Ben Askren fan. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it was with with BJ. Um, but yeah, it, it was. It, that's exactly it. And I mean, and and so, so the other thing that's like you got to also remember speaking about him, Chandler coming from Bellator. Dan Hooker got into the UFC in what, 2014? I think that was his first fight in the UFC. Michael Chandler was already a champion at Bellator by 2014. So you're talking about, I don't care what promotion it is, you're talking about time inside these pressure situations. You're talking yeah. about dedication inside these pressure situations. Being a champion, heavy lies the crown, he already had it by the time Dan Hooker even got into the UFC. So in, in 2014, Chandler was on the downslope with his three losses. He lost the lightweight uh, title or the lost the lightweight world championship. He, then he, uh, you know, lost for the interim lightweight championship. And then he lost for the vacant lightweight uh, championship all between November, 2013 and November and November, 2014. And then it was in 2015, he had that rise again. So it's just crazy to think of like he won the lightweight uh, world title back in June 2016. So when he was just coming up, when Hooker was just entering the UFC, you said these these pressure situations beyond that, he, he had to go through the. The the ups and downs of, of his career already, he had to bounce back from three real mental losses because they were all title fights within 18 months. Right. Exactly. That exactly. So you're talking about a huge difference of, of mileage on that, on that person's body. It's a huge difference of mileage. I mean, so his awareness. My, my cat just hopped up. If you uh, just like meowing into the mic, I don't know why I'm sorry. <laughs> no worries. Wants to uh, join in. He's like, oh, listen, <laughs> I have a few things to say. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's just, um, it's unbelievable what Chandler was on. Not really. I mean, it's not unbelievable. I'll take that. It's not. it's not unbelievable. It's exactly what he should have did. And exactly. If you want to be a part of the UFC and you want to stake your claim in the UFC and become a champion he, here in this, in this promotion, that's what you needed to do. And he did exactly what he I want to see Habib versus Chandler just as a fan. Yeah, like, be like, listen, a few fans are going to be upset at you and be like, nah, bitch, listen, Tony Ferguson needs to fight Khabib first, but we know it's not happening, all right? If we book that fight again, someone's getting hurt and not fighting that anyway. So make it Chandler, Khabib. Like, come on, man. So, uh, But on to this main event, man. Like, oh, Jesus. Like, <laughs> I know you were live, <laughs> to oh, say the least. I want – so here, for anyone that doesn't know what happened – um, I'm sure most people know listening to this right now, but I'm not even going to tell you what happened. I just want you to know my reaction. I was quiet. 
hands in the air, raised up like, uh, like uh, you know, uh, a referee at a football game doing a field goal. Literally, hands straight up in the air, silent. Not a word came out until Bruce Buffer started announcing the winner. Not a word came out of my mouth from the end of that fight until Bruce Buffer starts going, and by by TKO, I'm like, oh my god, this is real. I, well, I didn't even think it was real at first. My my wife is a big Conor McGregor fan. So when the TKO happened in the second, right before the TKO happens in the second, I text you, this is just like the first fight. In the in in what I meant by that was Conor was kind of controlling the rhythm of the fight, landing strikes when he wanted to. Upon re-watching it, Poirier's had some significant leg strikes that slowed Conor down, right? So yeah. by the beginning of the second round, Poirier just lands a couple shots. Connor's backs up against the cage. And the second I see him land one more, I think it was a hard right. I, I, I was like, if he doesn't move, it's over. So, and I say that out loud, Asia starts screaming, no, no. And I'm just like, yo, if you don't move, it's over. And he gets that dink, moves slightly to his right and just trying to counter. And in his trying to counter when, is when Poye landed that that night night shot and he just that right rocked. right into his chin yep. yeah oh. Oh, oh my god dude i, I just heard no nah! like you would have thought the king actually got stabbed with the sword in, in my house <laughs> like <laughs> oh. like I, I i told my friends going into this fight i told you going into this fight that i believed connor would win by tko in round two and i have to eat that and own that and I'm happy to see that Dustin Poirier got the win of his career so far. Getting that demon off uh, 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 out of his, you know, off his back, right? That loss yet against Connor, setting it up for a trilogy. They both seem like they, they're down to run it back and see and, and see what happens. And Connor was very respectful after the fight, saying Styles make fight, and he caught me. Like, what do you yeah. want me? Uh, he owned up to it. He said he said the absence from the fights really took an impact that's what all those critics are going to say that all the years he missed that's why he lost his fight even though he just beat cowboy so but that's besides the point like poirier should be the number one contender if we're going based off rankings he should get another shot for the title but but i think it's going to go if khabib really wants that rematch khabib's the one that really made this confusing now because he tweeted at connor he didn't tweet at Chandler. He didn't tweet at the winner of the night. Yep. He tweeted at Connor. So just give him the rematch and get your money, man. And then, and then if you win, be out. Let Chandler and Poirier or Ferguson and Poirier battle it out for the title. And, and then, you know, we'll, we'll figure out the division from there. And I, yeah, think Poirier, I, I think Poirier can run it back with Connor and, and get a good payday, though, for the, to complete the trilogy. Oh, uh, so I have a few things with the future of this division. There's a few things rattling around in my brain that I want to see come true. Some things I don't want to see come true that have already been spoken about. I'll go through all of them. But one thing I have to, I have to attack first. The first thing I have to attack is two of them. One, the Connor that showed up in this Dustin fight was not even close in comparison to the Connor that fought the first Dustin fight. I had to run, run it back and watch it. The original fight, UFC 178. Um, there was Demetrius Johnson versus I forget who it was, but that was the main event of the card. Connor opened up that fight with five, count them, five spinning back kicks, five of them. He didn't even, he threw one. Yeah, I think he threw one um, in this fight. So the, the first time they met, 
Connor starts with a hook kick, right? So he goes to the like in the first second he threw a kick. I remember literally threw a hook kick, got Poirier on his back legs, and then after that he's throwing kicks, 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 and then connects him with the one-two. This fight completely opposite. It looked like Connor was just hunting for the one-two, thinking, "Listen, if I land this, he's going out. He's going night night. I got the power of God in my hand, and he's just going to go to sleep if I connect it." And in the first round, when he hit the one-two and Poirier didn't go to sleep, but got woken up from what it looked like a daze. That's when Connor should have made an adjustment in his game plan and go, Oh shit. He's not going to go to sleep. I got to figure something out, but he didn't make that adjustment. And you see Poirier getting the win, getting the dub, getting the nod. And I mean, stopping Connor in a way that we've never seen Connor stop before. He was genuinely hurt to the point where I, uh, this morning I was actually talking to my buddy who's a huge Connor fan. And he goes, I'm like, damn, Connor got his ass beat. And he he got a little upset. He's like, no, he didn't. He didn't get his ass beat. I'm like, dude, I've been watching this all morning because we threw Sports Center on. And I'm like, I'm just watching the replay. And then I threw it back on. I'm like, I would agree with you last night that he didn't get his ass beat. But watch something with me. And I replay it. And I replay the entire fight because it's not that long. It's one and a half rounds. Barely. Yeah. 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 And you watch it the second time around and take the, the love that you have from Connor. And this is exactly what I told him. I'm like, I get it you're going to defend Connor, but watch what happens. He actually goes to sleep. It's not like he got, it's not a normal TKO. Obviously it is a TKO because the doctor, uh, the doctor, the ref had to jump in. Herb Demon had to jump in and stop Poirier. But if you look that right hook that we were talking about, knocked him out, actually knocked him out. Yes. He was, he was out, out. And to your, to your point about what he was trying to set up, what I saw the first time and the second time I watched the fight, you're right. He wasn't throwing kicks like, like at all. He was trying to set up the left with, and he was kept landing the right because Poirier was aware of the left, obviously. Yep. So So the right was, that's exactly it. The right was there and Poirier was letting the right be there and he was taking one to give one, but not get the number two to come across. Yes. Every time he was there. But but, but what we missed, and at least I did the first time. So what we missed, what we thought were defensive kicks were the kicks that were slowing Connor down. So by the time round two started, Connor's leg is already hurt. Oh, disheveled, mashed. So, and, and it's small. I didn't notice it the first time. So I was so watching it again, and I kept hearing the smack of the kicks. I was like, oh, he's chopping him down as Connor thinks he's he's hunting for this headshot. Right. Yep. That's exactly and, and, it. And that's what Connor meant at the end of the fight. Styles make fights. Yep. And he realized that he can't just box like he started doing in this in this fight and that this leads into my second point of this loss i'm not trying to make excuses for connor because he got beat no matter what boye was a much better fighter than he was the first time around and and all props to him and it's the was great competition too the level of competition dustin poirier had since the connor fight was insane absolutely insane and then the most recent fights were insane I'm just going to go back to 17 when Connor was pretty much done. Cause remember the uh, Connor fights uh, the, the 2017 fight was Floyd Mayweather. So his last fight before Floyd Mayweather was 2016. So I want to mention what has happened since Connor decided to go into boxing since 2017 on Dustin's side, listen to these names. So it was Jim Miller. Then one against Jim Miller. There was a no contest against Eddie Alvarez, so we'll skip that one. Then it was Anthony Pettis, win. Justin Gaethje, win. Eddie Alvarez again, win. Max Holloway, win. Only person he lost to was 
Habib lost. And then Dan Hooker win. Like, and Dan Hooker could have been fight of the year. That Dustin Dan Hooker fight was crazy. So you're talking about all champions that that Dustin was definitively beating. And, 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 and just on the loss side, because people sometimes only look at losses and they think that Connor has a lot of losses, which in a combat sport just annoys the shit out of me. But his first loss, uh, Dustin's first loss was in August of 2010. And, and that made him seven and one. That was at WEC 50, just for context. His next loss, his first UFC loss, was in May 2012 against Chan Sung Jung, the Korean zombie. A monster. Yes. Monster. His next loss was in February 2013 in London, England, it, London, England against Cub Swanson. Monster. <laughs> then his next loss was the first Conor McGregor fight. And we obviously know what happened to Connor after that. Because remember, that's not a main event in Connor. That's a that's the up and coming Connor. That's an up and coming Connor. That's third from the bottom Connor. That's that's the Connor that Nate Diaz got upset about. You're taking everything I work for. Remember that? That's yeah. that Connor. <laughs> and he, then he loses to Michael Johnson in September 2016, which which was a KO. And arguably, that's the that's the biggest like outlier of his career. Arguably, no disrespect to Michael Johnson. Besides the WEC fight, which was so long ago, it, it's kind of insane because he could. We could have been looking at a man whose losses went from September 2014 all the way to Khabib five years later. If it wasn't for Michael Johnson getting those KO three punches, yes, which is insane. I'm, and, and the first Eddie Alvarez fight was a no contest because Eddie Alvarez landed illegal knees to Poirier. Yep, yep. Exactly. So, so. Like going into this and the way people are, some of my friends, some people I just see, you know, in the MMA world the next day, acting like this is the death knell for Conor McGregor. Listen, I I think there is a difference between the criticism people are saying that he's not the best lightweight, period. That's one criticism. Thinking that he is done, I just don't see that. I know he retires every five minutes, but but that's just a negotiating ploy, people. Like, the dude wants to fight. After after this loss, he even said, no, I'm not done. I'm like, we can run yeah. this back. Like, For, yeah. Come on. Yeah, not, sorry, not to cut you off. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no, no, no. I, that, that's it. I'm just saying, come on. Like, I don't I don't get the, why is he done? Because he lost to Khabib and then lost to uh, the Poirier? Like, it's insane. It's insane. It's insane. Because th- this wasn't even a Connor that I think was fully prepared. I don't care what he says. And this is to the third point of Connor. And I'm not, again, I will repeat it, repeat it. Dustin Poirier won this handily because he was the better fighter. Anyone that goes and looks at the Cowboy fight and goes, well, he, you know, he didn't have time. Connor in the time off, the thing he tried to say at the end, like I've had a lot of time off, you need to be active. I do not subscribe to the Cowboy fight being something that he won. Uh, it's, and I, it's hard to explain it. I'm going to, so I'm going to break it down. He did win that fight. He destroyed Cowboy. But that was not, again, that was not the Cowboy that we knew and loved. That was not Cowboy of the the strong era that Cowboy came from. That was a Cowboy that was almost on the way out, right? I don't want to say he was on the way out, but he was not the same Cowboy that we knew. Starting there, that's one. Two, it was so quick of a fight. Connor probably got in his head that he was great. Three, there was no weight cut involved with that fight. People forget that was at 170. That was not 155. That was not making championship weight. That was not at seven o'clock in the morning in Abu Dhabi. That was a whole different situation. Sorry about that. 
that was a whole different situation of a fight. So if you really look at it, he hasn't really fought since the Habib fight. And that fight was shit because he tries to make that whole explanation of, oh, well, I didn't really train. I was just drinking, partying the whole time. And a lot of people out of his camp say, yeah, that was true. Dylan Danis says, yeah, that's what was Connor was doing. He didn't give a fuck about that fight. He had a hundred million dollars in the bank. So that is still a, that's a f- almost four year layoff, three year layoff. That's 2018 when he fought uh, Habib. So yeah, he did fight Cowboy, but that was not, that was not, a, that was a 40 second demolishing. Cowboy didn't even land a shot. You know what I mean? Like that wasn't, that wasn't anything. So that didn't give anything to Connor to say, Hey, this is a new game that you're dealing with. Dustin was the, was the wake up call for Connor to say, you're in a new game, buddy. You left in 2016. You're in a completely different type of game, a completely different style of game that you need to be prepared. We don't care how good you think you are. This is a whole new style of fighting and you better get used to it or you're going to get starched just like you got starched by Dustin Poirier. That's that's what it is. So to say Connor's out, to say Connor's done, anything like that, it's a bunch of bullshit. I don't believe it. I think he's going to regroup and he's going to come back stronger. That leads me into what really matters. What happens next, right? What happens for Poirier? What happens for McGregor? What happens for Charles Oliveira? What happens for Justin Gagey? What happens for Tony Ferguson? What happens for Michael Chandler? Now, we had um, Dana going out and saying, yeah, it would be a fun championship bout between Dustin and Michael Chandler. Cut that out. I get what Michael Chandler did was very nice, but I agree with Dustin's sentiment of, yeah, but I beat that guy already. You ain't beat anybody special. I beat him anyway. So I don't need to hear about, oh, you need a title shot. What needs to happen is Poirier, Gaethje, two. That's what needs to happen for the belt because Khabib relinquish it. It's over. Stop holding on to it. And I know it's, Dana said it's not Khabib holding on to the belt. It's me trying to force him to kind of stay in, but he doesn't really want to fight. Then relinquish that belt. Let's run back Poirier Gaethje. That's what we need to run back. And if not, give Charles Oliveira the shot. Yeah, I was going to say either run that back or or it's or it's uh, Poirier Oliveira for the interim lightweight t- uh, title. And Correct. then honestly, I would like to see a Bellator-style Grand Prix for the vacant lightweight world champion. I mean, we said that we said that the minute we heard Khabib retiring, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm just saying, right I'm just saying like we yeah. have, we have the depth though, where if we do one through eight, let's go. Like, or like the, per- the only person that's really on the outside of the one through eight that I'm kind of like a fan of and want to, want to throw in there would be both Al, Iaquinta could never say his name on the first time. And Kevin Lee, but like those are the two guys that are outside yeah. the top eight that I, I agree. Like, throw them in, but yeah, yep. You can you can throw them in into the running. You can throw them into a little little uh, roundabout, especially Ally Quinta, Kevin Lee for sure. I mean, even even you go down to thirteen, the Islam Makachev, right? He's he's a, a B protege almost, right? You can even throw Islam in there. Um, but, but do I would like to see Connor and Tony Ferguson and. Poirier, Gaethje too, and then throw Oliveira against like a Kevin Lee. Yeah. yeah. So, so should we elevate somebody else 
or or Oliveira just keep, you know has to be moved up and face the winner. Right. You know so what I, I mean? had I had the same same kind of thought uh, with, with a little bit different. I threw so my the minute <laughs> the second Dustin Poirier won, while my hands were up like that, I'm running through matchups. I'm like, okay, what's going to happen in this division? What's going on? And this is what I broke down in my head, and you know I might adjust it throughout the time, but this is where I started with. Like I said, Gaethje, Poirier, title fight, right? Number one. Um, Oliveira, Chandler, to see, okay, you you beat Hooker. Charles, Charles Oliveira is the next guy up in line for that belt. So can you get through this guy, or is he going to shut you down? So Oliveira, Chandler, and we'll run back something like a Connor Ferguson, something something fun, something with both legends, both names. So Connor Ferguson would be fun. That's where I landed on that. And then we get the real, if depending on how the MMA gods want to move this about, that's where we get some real fire and fun because if Poirier gets through just in a second time, keeps that champion, he's the official champion now. Real, no interim, dead set champion. This is obviously all with Khabib out of the picture. This this doesn't work if Khabib's in the picture. So he becomes Poirier becomes the main champion. You run the you run the fight back between him and Gaethje. He wins, becomes the main champion. Chandler somehow defeats. Oliveira, right? I don't know how that's going to work out, but let's just say Chandler <laughs> beats Oliveira, right? Because Oliveira is insane on the ground and his stand-up is amazing. So people are going to doubt that fight. But say he gets through Oliveira. So then we have that guy sitting on the sideline. Connor beats Ferguson. And, you know, I'm no matter what, even with this, I'm always taking Connor. I don't care. It's Connor fucking McGregor. Listen, okay? I don't care. He could be getting his ass whooped all the time. I'm probably still going to bet on Connor. <laughs> so. He beats Ferguson. Then we get, because the MMA gods would love us, then we get Poirier McGregor three for the belt. Come on, man. That I can, I, I can see them setting it up the, the 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 end of the trilogy, I mean, as the next fight for the belt. If, if that could be fun too. Retires. That could be fun too. But also one person you're leaving out of just the like a possible fight for Chandler besides Habib, obviously. I mean, that's a realistic next fight for Chandler if he's not getting pushed into the title scene just yet. But Chandler versus Rafael Dos Anjos. Oh, yeah. Rafael coming back down. Just won his first fight again at light. Well, not his first fight, but coming back from being at Walter Wade, going back down to um, to lightweight. That's, that's a good one, too, for sure. That, that could be Chandler's next fight. And, and Chandler beat number six, Dan Hooker. But, like, I was looking at, okay, so where are you going to put him in the top 15? Because obviously he has to get ranked now, right? He has to, yeah. You, the only reason he wasn't ranked is because he didn't fight yet. So, yeah. yeah. So, so he, he, like, you have to kind of push him up higher than you would expect. So is he going to go past Kevin Lee at 11 and, and Al at 10? Probably, right? But you have uh, Diego uh, Ferreira, Ferreira and Paul Felder. So do you put him right under Rafael Dos Anjos or do you put him at six now because he beat six? Like, I don't know how they're going to work that out. We're recording it the day after the event. So we have a couple days before that's even like a consideration for us to, to actually know. Right. I, I need to know what Habib does just so we can 
know where this division's going forward. There's a lot of good names. It's a deep ass division. Tony Ferguson's just sitting there. Me and you, I want the, the I'm mean, to complete the trilogy. Might as well run that back first, in my opinion, because it, it, it's positive either way. Even if Gaethje, not Gaethje, even if Poirier loses, like he's not Again, going anywhere. He's still in, in no. the crop in the lightweight division. He's a, he's the second best guy. I mean, hands down. If we're going to rank Connor as one of the best in the lightweight, even though he's ranked at four, if we're going to say he's one of the best, right? Which he is. Connor won the first round. Like, I don't think that's, I, I don't understand. Thank you. People thinking he got dominated like that because Connor won the first round. Yeah, Poirier had the only takedown. Connor had so many more significant strikes, even taking into consideration the leg kicks we were talking about before, that I don't understand how people just saw dominance. When Connor won the first round, he landed so many significant strikes from his fist to his elbows yeah he wasn't throwing kicks but he landed more than one elbow to the head yes yep yep like, dustin just a dustin just a freak like yeah dustin beasted it like all props to him he won <laughs> yeah, the he's fight. A freak. But, yeah. but if we were if we're scoring the round connor won round one yep 100 100 and i think that again that equates to him going out in round two like all right i got this i'm comfortable i got this he he, he took a couple of my shots but i know if i land one of them he's going away this time that, that so yeah i'm with you he, he it's not like when i say he get, got his ass beat it's not because of the first round it's literally because he got caught and got his head smashed in like that's it that's, that's the only reason he got his ass beat is because he literally got caught very bad against the cage and i was saying this at the beginning i was like the only way dustin pulls this off i was talking to my buddies only way he pulls this off is if he gets connor against the cage and connor doesn't bob and weave out and slip out to the left or right and get out from having your back against the cage. Connor has to be center of the ring with movement. He's a true boxer now. And Connor McGregor did throw a spinning uh, kick towards towards the last 30 seconds of round one. In his body, yeah, to the body, right? Well, look to the head. He missed it, but uh, he did throw it. It's just just funny because what I remember strike-wise, he he got up from, from the takedown and just started landing elbows and knees. Yes, that's yes. And he got up quickly from the takedown. And and, and uh, what was pointed out to me, which I didn't even think of, but it's a good point to make. He might have went in Connor training for the fight to be a ground fight because he might have been under the impression that, listen, everyone saw how I lost to Habib. Everyone saw it. Everyone saw how I lost to Nate Diaz. It was on the ground both times. So I don't think Connor prepared for someone that could box as well as Dustin Poirier boxed. And that's when you see Dustin Poirier point at him like, I caught you. You don't real and he's telling Connor. And that's what that when people are like, like my buddy asked, he's what is he doing? I'm like, he's telling Connor he caught him and that he needs to watch out. That's literally what he was doing. He's like, I caught you. Watch what you're doing. I caught you. I caught you with a check hook and you need to back the fuck up. And he and Connor didn't take the uh the lesson. <laughs> he got rocked. So, yeah. like, and, and I don't mean that like like uh, uh, duh, he got rocked. The first time he gets rocked, he goes up against the cage. He's dazed. He's not there enough to move out the way. Nope. So then when, when he's dip, dipping and dodging and he gets rocked a couple more times, it's over. That that last like uppercut right or whatever it was that knocks him out was just the kill shot. It was the final nail in the coffin. The the, the shots before that, he went like Poirier already won the fight. Yeah, you you could tell because he he, he the shots before that led Connor to a wailing like shovel punch, and it missed so bad that that's when I went, oh shit, this is this is over. 
because I saw Connor try to counter and the counter was so far off with the precision that we know Connor has to miss that badly when you're up against a cage like that. Something's not not adding up. You know what I mean? Something wasn't adding up. And that's what it was. He was already he was already gone. He was already out of that fight. And I think he realized that even just laying on the ground, he you could see him in that contemplation and, you know, everyone's trying to meme it of him next to his face. What he's doing right there is realizing, fuck, I fucked up. I fucked up. <laughs> yeah. You know, because it's not like he fought terribly. That's what I don't want to take out of this. I don't want anyone thinking that I'm saying Connor fought terribly. And I'm not also not trying to make excuses for Connor either. Both sides of this. Overall, the better man and what needs to be more emphasized than anything was Dustin Poirier. That's what truly happened in this fight. It had nothing to do with Connor not showing up. It had nothing to do with anything like that. Dustin Poirier is a way better fighter than 2000, what was it, 16 or 14? Exactly. And and on that note, uh, one point in the second round, Poirier throws a kick. Don, uh, Connor catches it and moves him backwards towards the cage. And I think it's funny because in real time, I was, I was talking and, and saying, that's the little things people don't give either of the two men credit for. Not only did Connor catch the catch it and not do anything stupid with his foot, he literally placed him where he wanted him in the ring. Yep. Just to start setting up his strikes. And to Poye's credit, on one leg, he didn't fall down, he didn't get hit, and he and, and, he, and he reset himself. Yep, exactly. These were two much more developed fighters from the first meeting. So much more development. And the first thing that, that rocks Conor McGregor w- w- was a, a straight left that backs him up against the cage and then Poye starts landing just clean shots to the head. And that's, that's what yeah. that's what was the dangerous part. There was like two or three shots he got, he got hit with while he was his backup was against the, that that Zappos freaking ad. And <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's just so fast. But you see it when it's happening. It's like, and all I was saying was move, move, move. And then when he went down and, and Poirier is standing like that, I was happy for Poirier. I'm a Connor fan, but I was happy for Poirier because his wife says it towards the end, y'all better stop doubting my husband. Yep. Well, I'm getting <laughs> emotional, dog. Literally getting emotional thinking about it. It was like, it was beautiful. It, it was, was beautiful. so was crazy. Like, his wife was so like, yeah. Like y'all better start stop doubting my husband, <laughs> right? And, and and because it was it was it was, they were so professional, both of them, compared to the first fight, which we get it. They were selling the first one. Let's be honest. Dustin's a nice guy. You yeah. don't have the good fight foundation if you're an asshole. You know what I mean? Like you, you just don't. So it starts with Dustin. Hunter's also different. He's a, you could just tell he he doesn't want to be kids have changed that man not to cut you off yeah. kids have changed conor mcgregor he is a very stand-up guy and he lets his little his beast craziness out every once in a while you saw it at the weigh-in he did his normal growl and then you see the composure flip and he gets real calm again he's like okay i'm i don't get don't be an asshole don't be an asshole but what i liked was at the press conference when he heard the thing that khabib tweeted you saw the connor that we all grew up grew up all saw knowing and loving that Connor, that don't want to say asshole, but that showman showed up the minute Khabib tried to say something. That's why I let, that's why I said at the top of this, Khabib showed his hand more than he ever have with ever has with that tweet. And I think it's going to go over a lot of people's heads, but that tweet alone, and, and you know, this could be me exaggerating it, but I don't think I am. That tweet alone showed Connor got to Habib and is still getting to Habib to this day. 
even with the win, Connor still gets under his skin. And he didn't even do anything. No, Connor, Connor was, was, was class tonight. Like, for all the times he was classless in people's eyes, there was nothing in this fight that you can criticize if you want to t- call him classless or a bad sport. None of that was there. I'm watching it right now, and when Dustin goes over there, when Connor's on the bench, Connor stands up and hugs him. And they're, yes. and they're talking to each other. And, and and before their hands are raised, you can hear them both saying, oh, we got to run that back. Yeah, to, to each other. Yeah, they're like, yeah, this like, is awesome. Like, like yeah. I don't know what people want. And like, I even said this to, I have a couple friends who are Connor haters and, and one or two of them have came came around like, yo, I just don't think he's the best. I'm not saying this dude isn't, you know, it doesn't, hasn't carved out his spot in the sport. Like he's like, there's levels to it. Like he is one of the best strikers, but it's more than striking is a lot of what I hear from Connor haters. Now there's, there's the Connor haters that don't want to give him any credit. And there's, and then there's the Connor haters that just don't think he deserves to be the main event all the time. Like, and which, yeah. which not only main event as in, you know, his own, his own card, but like the main event as in always around the title when there's other people. So I get that. I'm 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 excited for the lightweight division. I'm excited for um the the next welterweight title fight. We got Usman and Burns coming up. Finally, finally. They just they just announced last night um Stipe Ningano 2. Woo! Yep, another banger. Oh Yo, we, we got plenty to, to talk about in, in the, in the <laughs> We got some weeks. fights coming up, man. For real. We got we we got some shit coming up that me and you are gonna really nerd out about but yeah we got we got some fun shit happening real fun shit happening in, in the next few months and yeah that mark it's the march card march card looks insane right now looks insane and so, is there uh anything that you want to say before we close out here today um no i i don't i don't really i don't have anything else i really want to hammer home other than we're going to have a very, very unique year in the UFC, I think. I think this is going to be a year that formulates a lot of what the UFC will be in the future. Not even on the fights that we just saw. More talking about that ABC card, really and truly, how special that card was for that to happen on primetime tv where you could be surfing through channels and you saw the ufc on abc that in itself i think shows what the future of the ufc holds for this year and i i you know it's the beginning of the year and last year at the beginning of the year we know how the year ended up turning out two months later right no real talk I'm the so, biggest, I think that we also need to acknowledge that the UFC is trying to come out strong now because of how last year ended. And right now, there's what three title fights in the in the first quarter. Yep, that, that that's just announced. That's just what we know about. I mean, like so. Oh, there's more. There's more than that. I think Amanda Nunez was announced, right? That's what I think. Uh, I, think I think it's Nunez of Nunez defending Stipe Ningano too. And um, the welterweight title fight, Usman versus Burns. So those are the three that we know about right now. It's not even counting if if anybody falls out of a fight or if there's just something that's going to get announced as a fight night later in in February or or March. We got a lot of stuff coming up, and that's just UFC. That's not even Bellator. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. You're right. Because, yeah, the biggest one coming up, and and we we can end on this, is 259. That's the one I was talking about. That is that March 6th card. 
and that's Jan versus Izzy. It's official. It's made. Izzy's moving up 205, baby. He's fighting, trying to become a double champ. That's happening. That's the main card for that March card. Then we have the double champ herself, Amanda Nunez, fighting Megan Anderson. Then we have Piotr Jan versus Aljamain Sterling. That's all UFC 259 in March. So this should be a fun fucking year. And then right after that, March 13th, a week later, our boy Hamza is back. And he's fighting Leon. Like, we got a year ahead of us, man. Oh, yeah. I can't wait. All right. Tell them where they can find you, guys. Uh, they can find me everywhere. All the socials at T Owens one one zero five. Yeah. Hit me up there, man. That's where I'm at. And we are at the underscore dope blog on Instagram at the dope blog, all one word on Twitter and at the dope blog and podcast on Facebook. You can catch me at not the Chuck D on all the socials and peace. See ya. I'm ill. I'm ill. Than your average. Uh.